After years of fine print contracts and getting ripped off by overpriced wireless providers, if we've learned anything, guys, it's that there's always a catch. So when I heard that for a limited time, all Mint Mobile wireless plans are 15 bucks a month when you purchase a three-month plan, I thought, what's the catch? But after talking to them, it all made sense. There isn't one. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they sell wireless service online. They cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those sweet savings directly on to you. I haven't skipped a beat using Mint Mobile services. I have a great service even when I'm traveling for over less than 70% of what I was paying before. Listen to Uncle Chael and say bye-bye to your overpriced wireless plans, jaw-dropping monthly bills and unexpected overages. Mint Mobile is here to rescue you with premium wireless plans starting at 15 bucks a month. All plans come with high-speed data and unlimited talk and text delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and bring your phone number along with all your existing contacts. Ditch overpriced wireless with Mint Mobile's limited time deal and get three months of premium wireless service for 15 bucks a month. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash chael. That's mintmobile.com slash chael. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash chael. $45 upfront payment required. That's equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower, above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tacova's is your first stop for the best in Western style. And by the way, you don't have to be into the Western look to grab a good-looking pair of boots. I recently got a pair of ostrich skin round-tip boots, and I'm warm with my suit. These boots are so versatile that I can throw them on with a full head-to-toe suit. And Anthony Smith came right up to me and he's asking me where I got them. Well, I told him the only place to get them, Tacovas. And they have a seasonal limited edition offering. It's right now, this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, accessory, and more. My wife just surprised me with the ostrich wallet and a belt for my birthday, in case you've seen me. I feel like I look pretty sharp in it. I truly do. And Tacova's has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Plus, their direct-to-consumer pricing keeps value on your feet and money in your pocket. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary beverage or two, and shop for new styles. The smell of fresh leather and a friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience quite like it. If you can't make it into the store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and they ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your favorite pair of boots today. What's happening, guys? Happy Friday. 
and thank you for joining another special episode of Your Welcome. Ahead on today's show, I'll talk about the latest with Jake Paul. The main event of UFC 268 is two weeks away, and I'll give you my official prediction and the latest news surrounding tomorrow's night's fights. But before we do all that, I want to tell you about one of today's sponsors. Today's episode of Your Welcome is brought to you by Athletic Greens, the most comprehensive, tasty, daily nutritional beverage I have ever had. With so many stressors in life, it's difficult to maintain effective nutrition habits and give our bodies the nutrients it needs to thrive. Busy schedules, poor sleep, exercise, stress, or simply not eating enough of the right foods can leave us with a deficiency. This is where Athletic Greens has come to the rescue for me. One scoop of this daily, all-in-one superfood powder contains 75 vitamins, minerals, whole food sourced ingredients, including a multivitamin, multi-mineral, probiotic, greens, superfood blend, and more. They all work together to fill the nutritional gaps in our diet, increase energy and focus, help with digestion, and support a healthy immune system, all without the need to take multiple products. What a relief. Athletic Greens is my one stop for it all. So simple, so easy. For you athletes out there, this product is NSF certified for sport. It's lifestyle friendly, whether you are keto, paleo, vegan, dairy free or gluten free, and it contains less than one gram of sugar without compromising on taste. Athletic Greens is offering my audience a free one year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase if you visit my link today. Covering your bases with Athletic Greens makes investing in your energy, immunity, and gut health daily simple, tasty, and efficient. Simply visit athleticgreens.com and join the athletes and health-conscious go-getters around the world who make a daily commitment to optimal health every day. Again, simply visit athleticgreens.com and get your free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs today. This just in, Paulo Costa versus Marvin Vittori will take place 195 pounds. Source, MMAfighting.com. Hold that thought. No way is this story over. Absolutely not. Now, guys, it takes me about an hour by the time I talk to you, to turn this around and get it out to you. This has been done before, all right? This has been done before where they have moved a weight and the guy who was negligent in the first place of making weight doesn't make the second weight. And why would he? In all fairness, I, I have a very big question as to why we made this 195 pounds. That's not a weight class. Oh, it's a catch weight class. It's a contracted weight class. All right, we can play those games. It's not a goddamn weight class. If you're not going to do it at 185, do it at 205. If you're not going to do it at 205, do it at heavyweight. If you're not going to do it at any of those, then you're not fighting at a weight class. Now, I have a big problem with it, but I'll tell you why. You haven't solved anything. In my problem, this is, in my opinion, not a deal that I would make. So I'm going to go to a guy who is already not followed through on a contractual obligation that he promised to do. 
So I'm now dealing with a liar, but I'm going to take his word. Do you see where this is a problem? 195 pounds doesn't solve the problem. It's also not a weight class. Relevance being, why not do it at 205, give him 10 more pounds, and now we can at least probably have the fight. This story is not over. If you were going to come in at 195 pounds because you couldn't make 185, then you're a very big guy. This was tested just recently. When was the last? It was Tito Ortiz versus Anderson. Remember remember the, the boxing match where Tito fought, but he didn't make the weight? But he promised everybody on this same website, not for nothing, that he would make 198 pounds, which was not a weight class. It's not what they agreed to. It wasn't even a weight class. He told the whole world, I'm not going to make weight, but I will get this close. But then he didn't. He missed that by three or four pounds. But nobody was mad at him, and it never made a story. And I'm not trying to kick him now. We were not going to take the word of a liar. And when the official came in, weigh-ins came, sure enough, the liar not only lied once, he lied a second time. So... Where's the surprise? We already knew that he wasn't telling the truth. Look, you guys remember Rumble Johnson? Rumble Johnson did some of his finest work on the regional scene. He was fighting at heavyweight. I was there the night Rumble Johnson beat a UFC heavyweight champion of the world. And he not only beat him, he beat him in less than five minutes at heavyweight. But Rumble was one of these guys who just believed he had to pull weight out. Rumble, at one point in his career, I saw him do his best work at heavyweight. At one point in his career, he was a welterweight of 170, and he had such a hard time making it and failed multiple times. They said, you know, enough. We're moving you to 185. His very first fight at 185, he missed it by seven pounds. He moved up a weight. A guy that has a hard time making weight is a guy who has a hard time making weight. It's just a reality, but it does not matter what that number is. If you struggle within the discipline or the confines of making that agreed-upon limit, it doesn't matter what that limit is, you're going to have a hard time. I bring you the Rumble example just because it's a name that you would know. When I was working with Kelvin Gatslam on The Ultimate Fighter, Kelvin had a very hard time making 185, and he did it, but he, he was just hurting. He was uncomfortable. Life wasn't pleasant. Someone got a hold of Kelvin and talked him in going to 170 pounds, and he made it. But his life wasn't wonderful, and it, it just wasn't pleasant. It didn't matter what that number was. Whatever that number is, in conjunction with the finish line, meaning the date that you have to make it, the athlete psychologically will do just, he'll just, he will. He'll eat enough. He'll, he'll, he'll be just enough overweight that he can suck that water out. He'll pull just enough. It'll be right down to the wire. Some athletes are this way. Some are. And when you're confronted with one, you've got to deal with it. That's okay. But the way that this was dealt with was to make up a number of which isn't a weight class. It's a contracted weight. It's a catch weight. It's not a weight. And you also don't have to wait on pins and needles until 7 a.m. Friday morning Eastern time to see if he can make it. There's no guarantee he can. The last time that this was tested, and not quite as official, but it was Tito Ortiz, who did not make it, who came out to the world and said, I won't make it, I'm going to miss, but I will get this close. And then he didn't. And that wasn't a headline, and I'm not kicking him now. As soon as he broke his word the first time, of course I don't expect him to tell the truth the second time. I'm not a fool. 
So we now have a situation where we've come to the table and apparently come up with an agreement with a guy who admittedly said, I'm not going to do what I said I was going to do, but now I'm going to do the second thing that I'm saying I'm going to do. Why? If I'm a decision maker and that's not a goddamn weight class, why am I holding it to it? Let me make it an actual weight class so the match means something, so the audience gets it, not to mention I can spot a guy that's got problem another 10 pounds. I'm submitting for you right now the story of Paulo Costa versus Marvin Vittori at 195 pounds is not finished. And you're getting this from the same guy. I'm the same guy who went on ESPN. They asked me what I thought of Vittori versus Paulo Costa, and I told you five days ago, and a lot of people said, Chael, what kind of a breakdown was that? Why did you say that? What I said when I was asked that question by George. I said, George, before we get to the fight, let me tell you something. We're going to have a problem with the weigh-in. George said, what are you talking about? That's not what we're here to discuss. Let's talk about the X's and the O's. Let's talk about the time off by Paulo Acosta. Let's talk about the quick turnaround by Vittori. I said, George, I can't. I can't get to any of those things. I know Paulo Acosta a long time. He's got a big problem, making 185 pounds. He hasn't tried to do it in the longest absence of his career. As human beings, we don't get smaller over time. Before we have any story about the story, we have to make weight. And I'm telling you now, he's not going to make 185 pounds. I told you that four days before the rest of the world caught up. I am telling you one day, Paulo Costa is not guaranteed to make 195 pounds. So Costa and Vittori are fighting tomorrow, and later in the show, I'll give you my official prediction. But right now, I want to transition to a fight that's happening in a few weeks, and I can't wait for it. Another day down brings us one day closer to Usman versus Covington. The hardest, the closest, and the dirtiest fight I have ever seen were one day closer. Look, if I was to tell you guys, in the spirit of anticipation, and you always get somebody that wants to tell you it's going to be a great fight. I mean, right? It's just a weird thing to say. It's the most lazy approach to getting somebody to tune. It's going to be a great. Why are we here? What is this about? And what's interesting? What's at stake? Those are much difficulter things to verbalize rhetorically. It's a much harder story to tell, but it's way more effective. And if I was to ask you guys, in the world of anticipation, what fight have you most looked forward to? Give me your top five. Probably make you think. You'd probably enjoy that process. There'd be some nostalgia and you'd look back. But I will tell you, this is the heights. For me, Kamara versus Colby part one. Everything that went into that. You guys will remember, remember the buffet line? that was at the Palms and they got caught on security camera and they both got lifetime bans. I mean, just these things kept happening organically. Colby rushes Dana while doing an Instagram Live, finds Dana on his own time. I mean, you remember all these things that went into this? It was like that great moment when, whether it was Stipe yelling through the ring, give me my shot, or St. Pierre dropping on his knees and begging, or Khabib waiting at Dana's car with his hat on the hood and he takes a picture and sends it to him. Like there, there's, some, there's some fights that just get made 
in this wonderful way. This is part two, which is always bigger than the original. Not to mention it's the hardest, closest, dirtiest fight I've ever seen. And the only reason this fight was not remade and announced that night at the press conference. Remember the last time that's happened? That would be Figueredo versus Moreno, which in all fairness was not a big fight the first time. It's not wasn't a huge fight the second time. It ended up having huge meaning because you had the first ever Mexican-born champion, but nobody knew how the story would end. And it's not a mega fight the third time it's going to happen, but it is the right one. It's the right fight. Moreno and Figueredo are the top two guys. Figueredo gave an opportunity to Moreno. That's got to be returned. I'm only setting the stage for you because generally a post-fight press conference, it's very rare that a fight gets made. You have to sit back. You have to let everybody do their bidding. You got to see where the pundits go. You got to see which way the wind blows. I mean, there's a lot to running it. There's a lot. And you just need a few days to let everything settle. But Moreno Figueredo was such a surprise and such a fantastic match it was made that night. I use it as an example to tell you Colby and Kamara would have qualified and been made that night. It was amazing, but there was a rumor going around that Colby had a broken jaw. To this day, I don't know if that's true. I've always believed it wasn't just because of the way that the story came out, which was done by the announcers during the fight. How the hell would you know if he's got a broken jaw? What do you, you got x-ray vision? So because I knew the announcers would not be armed with adequate information to make such a determination, I therefore concluded that it was false. They could have been right. Maybe he did have a broken jaw. Either way, the only reason that fight did not get made, I'm talking about part two, that night at the press conference is because the rumor was out there that Colby had a broken jaw. Therefore, why announce a fight that you can't do when one guy's about to be on the reserve list for who knows how long? It's very important to the entire story. It really is. It's a great piece to the entire story. And Colby's now weighed on in on it earlier today and said it was a photoshopped x-ray. Now... <laughs> If there is an x-ray going around, of which I have never seen and don't know about, it most certainly was not photoshopped. But that's interesting to me. The mere claim that it was photoshopped is interesting to me. When Kamara Usman knocked Colby down, Colby claims he slipped. That, for me, is interesting. Because he's not trying to fib. We all saw it. He's got all of us. We're all in on the gag. We're all in on the story that's being told. And now you get to choose whether you want to sit back and enjoy it or be a jerk. Look, there's one going around right now. Dylan Dennis came out talking about Tyron Woodley versus Jake Paul. And Dylan has proclaimed there was a clause in the contract that forbid Tyron Woodley from knocking Jake Paul out. As a matter of fact, says Dylan Dennis. If you look closely at round four, when Jake Paul is sent into the ropes and Tyron sees the damage he's done, there's a reason Tyron doesn't swing and follow up. And that reason is he was forbidden per a private contract from knocking him out. Now, Dylan believes that's true. Somebody told Dylan that. Dylan then saw the fight. Because you know what? I, I remember that. 
I remember when Tyron looked like he had him hurt. I remember when Jake fell into the ropes. And I remember when Tyron looked at him instead of pouncing. This story, therefore, must be true. Do I need to begin? Like, like do, I, do I need to unpack for you guys why and how that is not true? Do I need to explain to you, absent of seeing their agreement and contract, how an organization like Showtime would put their entire reputation on the line if it was ever found out that they had such a clause that a commission would lose its mind, pull licenses of everybody involved, including the promoter who put that in there, how Tyron Woodley would have absolutely no ability to control whether a punch harmed him. And even if we were able to keep such a wonderful secret, that secret somehow slipped through and was released to the world by Dylan Dennis. Of all people, to get a story. It was, I mean, do, do I need to do that, guys? There was a great wrestling angle one time. And I'm going to make up the characters. I'm close enough. I'm sure you kids in the comment section will correct me. But it was going to be a triple threat match. Triple threat for you non-wrestling fans means they're going to put three wrestlers in there. They're going to put the world title up for grabs in the main event of a pay-per-view. Now, a triple threat contrary to the rules of, say, a battle royal where you must beat everybody in there until you're the last man standing. Triple threat rules match means whoever pins anybody first... So it's not you pin a guy, he's eliminated, then the two guys left go at it. Whoever pins anybody in the ring first wins, in this case, the world championship. So they pack a stadium, they move the merchandise, they sell the popcorn, the world tunes in, and they put Hall and Nash in the triple threat against Sid Vicious. Hall and Nash were friends and a team. So the entire draw to the match was that they're now going to have to face each other. They have no choice. It's a triple threat. They're in their opposite Sid. They're at some point going to have to face each other. The bell rings. Hall lays down. Nash covers him. One, two, three. Nash becomes world champion. Sid Vicious stands there looking there like a fool. And the two friends celebrate together as the audience decorates the ring with water balls and paper because once again they've been screwed over by the NWO. It was one of the worst and dumbest yet creative pieces of wrestling theater in the entire disaster that was known as WCW. Do you see where it still would carry over to boxing? Imagine you and I are fighting. And imagine we have the contract that you are not allowed to knock me out. Now let's imagine when we did the contract, we thought it would never be an issue because old Chael's going to kick your ass anyway. Let's just imagine, but it doesn't go that way that night. And you are absolutely handling me. And there is now 10 seconds left in a contest of which I am clearly losing and I just fall down. I fall down and pretend to be unconscious. You have now broken the rule. Even if it's a secret rule, it's still a rule that we had. I win. Do you see the problem? Do you see what a level of ridiculous, of silly I had to get to to even get that example out? I mean, do you see how silly that would be? But let's say that were true. And of the six billion men on earth, we're going to have one person reveal this to you. And we've chosen Dylan Dennis.
speaking of Dylan Dennis, he was one of the first people to call out Jake Paul. And coming up next, I want to talk to you guys about the guy Jake might be fighting next. But first, a word about today's sponsor. Alright guys, I received my new Simply Safe security camera. I told you I was waiting for it and it's way better than I thought. Not only that, it was a breeze to set up. Considering the sophistication of this device, it's incredible. Simply Safe's new wireless outdoor security camera is built with all the advanced technology and security features you want and need to help keep you and your family safe. One of my favorite features of the new camera is the built-in spotlight and color night vision. You can keep an eye on what's going on day and night. All you have to do is download an app and you can view your security camera online from anywhere 24-7. Most security systems need automatic motion sensor lights and the lights must come on for the camera to pick up the images, not this one. Simply Safe's new outdoor camera comes with its own built-in spotlight that allows the camera to pick up images even in pitch black. It connects to Wi-Fi and has an easy to remove rechargeable battery so it doesn't need an outlet and can go anywhere on your property. Simply Safe security systems are easy to install and remove so if you ever end up moving you can easily pack up the system and take it with you to your next home. There is a reason why US News and World Report named Simply Safe the best home security system of 2021. To learn more about this exciting new Simply Safe wireless outdoor security camera, simply visit simplysafe.com/jail. Simply Safe is celebrating this new camera by offering 20% off your entire new system and your first month of monitoring service free when you enroll in interactive monitoring. Again, that's simplysafe.com slash chale. Jake Paul versus Tommy Fury. Guys, is that going to be a good fight? And you you could tell me till you're blue in the face it is, or you could be on the other side of it and say that it's not. I, I have seen a number of bad writers, managers, athletes, and promoters from the beginning of time try to convince you how good a fight is. This is going to be a great fight. What about the buzzwords? This is going to be fireworks. We're going to stand and bang. Right? I mean, these are the words of a lazy and uncreative person. If you had any kind of a story to tell, you would not be telling people about what a good fight it is going to be. And by the way, if you don't know the participants involved, if you don't know the stories and the journey and why are we here, not just what are we doing, right? Don't forget the five W's. Who, what, when, why, and where. But of all of those, it's the why that so many times gets left out. Why are you two boxing? Why should I care? Why does this matter? Now, in all fairness, the only difference between a big fight, a medium fight, or a small fight the difference between your main event, your main card, and your prelims is the story that you have ahead of time. It is not the fight itself. There is no card in the history of combat that includes MMA and boxing 
where the best fight of the night determines the order. Why? Because it's already done, right? I mean, I'm stating the obvious, but sometimes I have to back up that far. You could be the fight of the night. You could be given the fight of the night. A number of people have who were the first fight of the night. Now, what does that have to prove? Why, if that was the best fight, was that not the main event? What does this prove? It proves that how good the fight is doesn't have a goddamn thing to do with anything. Nobody cares ahead of time. When the whole thing is done, to leave the audience wanting more, you want to send them out the right way. But it's important, very important, that you know the steps and you know the orders, because I haven't got the foggiest idea why these two are boxing. Now, they have time. I don't have to know on day one. An easy one can fall in your lap, right? Anybody can sell a Ferrari. I've had people find me on Twitter and tell me, hey, let Dana know that Masvidal should fight Connor. I think that'd be really big. <laughs> like, I've had people tell me that. Like, I'm going to call Dana and go, hey, by the way, hey, man, I got, I got one that I'm sure you've never thought of. Let's take the two of the sport's biggest stars and put them together. I get it. It doesn't always work that way. In fact, more times than not, it doesn't. But how did we get here? When you have Jake Paul... Jake Paul checks a ton of boxes, including the ones you don't want him to check. You don't want him to be a tough guy. You don't want him to be a successful boxer, right? I mean, that's just where that's just where the world's at right now. We're still tuning in to cheer against him. We're resisting the idea that this guy that did funny faces on YouTube can be a straight-up badass, but he is. Whether you want it to be true or not, he is. He checks a ton of boxes. He's also a mega star. It's not that he's a famous guy that went to box. That's not enough. That would be a lazy approach and observation as to what you're seeing. A number of famous people have gone into something else. How do you bring those fans? How do you bring that base that in this case was created on YouTube? But how do you bring them into this journey with you? We've seen many people attempt. I, mean, I, I believe it was Shaquille O'Neal that tried to be a rapper. Even if I'm wrong on that, I know Roy Jones Jr. did. Many different examples. Or George Strait, the biggest country music stars of all time, tried to go into the movies. It wasn't just that George turned out to not be a good actor. The movies flopped. He couldn't get one audience to transfer and come along the journey with him. Jake Paul's been able to. When Jake Paul's done that, why are we fighting Fury? And I want to know, and as soon as I know, I'm going to tell it to you guys. And I will not be a hater about it. I will be a supporter of it. But why are we fighting Fury? Is it because of his last name? Is it because Jake believes there will be credibility added to fighting a full-time boxer who's at the appropriate age, who's got a great record, who, by the way, is going to have a hype man known as boxing's biggest star, his older brother Tyson. Probably, I'm probably pretty close. I'm probably got a hold of the right tool, even if it's by the wrong end. I'm probably to how we got to this point. Now, let me ask you something. Did anybody not like the experiment that was MMA versus boxing? Even though that's old hat, even though that largely the different disciplines going against one another was done in a year called 1993 and done, that experiment was done and answered by 1998. But does anybody hate the idea? It's, it's a good starting point. Why not take a famous MMA guy and put us with a famous boxer? Why not? As a starting point. Okay. 
So let's go down that road a little bit further because the top people who would be eligible to fight Jake Paul that are current MMA guys, I mean, at the very top of the list, I'll just throw out for you Nate Diaz. We saw that St. Pierre was thinking about Oscar, but Oscar was a little past his time. That fight wouldn't have been terrible. It would have had our interest, right? But what about what I just said to you? Jake Paul versus Nate Diaz, they're going to box. Now, I trust that you love that idea. Even if you think that you have a better idea, before you submit it for me, make sure you understand that the bar is already set. The submission has already been made. That is Jake Paul versus Tommy Fury. So as long as what I'm presenting to you, Jake Paul versus Nate Diaz, in your mind builds a bigger anticipation than Jake Paul versus Tommy Fury, I think that I have won. Now, whether it's Nate or not, let's use Nate to explore uh, a topic, okay? The topic being current MMA guys who are signed to the UFC cannot go and box. A internet rumor of which I cannot confirm for you that Nate Diaz has one fight left on his UFC contract, would like to get that done so that he is eligible to look in other places, including to go and box Jake Paul. You guys have seen these things on the internet. Let's say all of those things are true. Let's just take them at their word, but let's explore why one can't be done without the other. Let's explore why Nate Diaz has to exhaust that last UFC fight, say goodbye, to the world of the UFC in order to go and fight Jake Paul. And if you're a, a manager or a lawyer and you study his contract, you're going to have a very clear answer for me. You're going to tell me, well, here's the clause. The UFC has exclusive rights. You're going to tell me these things. I'm not going to disagree with you. I'm just going to ask what your relationship with the UFC is. And if you've sat down and asked Dana, instead of separating and parting ways, can we do this journey together? Is there a way? We have a couple of the pieces that are locked in place. Where will Jake Paul's fight next be? Just by example, we know will be Showtime done under Espinoza. Espinoza is very well respected. Showtime is very well respected. And Dana White, in his one time ever doing a co-promote, Connor versus Floyd, put his guy Connor against Showtime and Espinoza's guy Floyd. So now that we have a couple of commonalities that we can look at, a reasonable person is going to understand they did a good night of business. They're going to understand that Espinosa and Dana can share a stage together. They're going to understand that Espinosa and Dana can sit across the table from each other. We're going to know that. We've got these pieces of evidence. We know where Jake Paul is going, which is relevant because Triller hasn't been overly polite to Dana. They haven't. And when you talked about St. Pierre going to fight Oscar, St. Pierre having one fight left on his UFC contract, unless Dana was to tear it up. I mean, why Why a promoter who wants an ROI on a guy, and this is almost the most impossible business to get it on, would release that right? It's, it was unreasonable. And it also didn't happen, but we're not at that same place. We're not at that same place. Imagine if the manager, looking at Nate Diaz's contract, and is advising Nate, go out, have this fight, let's say goodbye to the UFC, and then we can go explore these other options. Imagine that they sat down. they got to have a relationship to do it. you got to have a relationship to get that phone call answered. He's a very busy guy, but imagine that you do. You get that phone call, you do the right thing, which is you fly out face-to-face. -face. You say, Dan, we have an opportunity to 
go and fight Jake Paul, who's under contract with Showtime, represented by Espinosa, who you've worked with before. We don't want to exhaust our UFC contract. Matter of fact, we don't even want to do our last UFC fight. We want, with you, to go over and do this now. I don't know what Dana's answer is going to be, but neither do you. And if you're advising Nate, and you're advising Nate, and I'm using Nate as UFC fighter, right? It could be anybody. We're going to call him Nate for right now. If you're advising him because you've thumbed through this, you got your legal cap on, and you see a clause in there that prevents you, you're not legally wrong. That contract and that clause is very binding. But if you can get the meeting, why try to exclude Dana? That's a little bit of a dick move, no? Does Dana go and try to do business without you? Then why would you want to do it without him? Why not include him? At least have the conversation. At least say, can we go and do this together? Reputable people, showtime, honest people, Espinoza, great enemy, Paul, wonderful opponent, Diaz. Why not have that conversation? How that plays out is between you guys. But to think that it can't be done because you read a clause and therefore you're going to throw your hand up. Listen, I, I, I don't, not only do I not accept your opinion from a legal standpoint, I challenge your standing and your relationship with the organization. To close out today's show, let's revisit tomorrow night's main event, a fight that many of us in the fight game have had circled on our calendars for quite a while. Official prediction, Paulo Costa versus Marvin Vittori. Guys, can I bury my lead? Can I answer that question in a moment? For you to hear me out, and not just for you to hear me, for me to help work through this myself. Let's use DraftKings.com. Right? It's one thing to say who you think's going to win a fight, but that's a popularity contest. 99.9% .9 of the time, you state who you want to win the fight or which name you're more familiar with. Can we agree? I mean, that is what the sport of boxing lives on, purely. Not about the top 10 list in every boxing category from the beginning of time is who got the most headlines. It, the boxing top 10 is done the same way the top music top 10 is done. Are you guys familiar with the music charts? When they say this is the number one song in the country, they're not attempting to say that the acoustics or the vocals or the lyrics or the performance is better than the other songs. The top 10 in the world of music, it's whatever song nationally was played the most times. You operate on that, assuming that the DJs and the networks that are tied to this business and are tied to having people listen to them are going to play whatever the people want to listen to most. In addition, broad stroke every radio station has a call-in and a request line. So operating on the loose assumptions that the DJs are playing not only what themselves feel as experts in the industry, the audience wants, but also listening to the audi actual audience who calls it and makes a request. Whatever song is played the most is the number one song in the country. That's how you become a number one hit. It is nothing to speak of you, your performance, your band, your team, your creativity, if your voice is better than the other. It has nothing to do with that. That is how number one is established. And that makes a level of sense. I don't have a big problem with that. Do you guys know how rodeo is decided? 
I mean, think about sports. Do you guys know how rodeos, they have a world champion? And you'll see it every year. They do it at UNLV every year. It's the only rodeo event that's even put on television. It's a sellout. It's a must-be event if you're a cowboy of any level, but they will crown a world champion. You could come in last at the world championships and be the world champion. How the hell does that work? Well, I'll tell you. Rodeo will accumulate over a 365-day year money. And whoever made the most money rodeoing that year becomes the world champion. So the best rider, if he missed the highest paid event or two or three, just by example, the best rider will not be the world champion. Whoever made the most money is. But you can also see where that makes a level of sense. Whoever rode in the most rodeos and got on the most Bronx and finished higher than the other guys over the course of a year instead of all decided in one day and can you stay on there eight seconds or not? and made the most money is the champion that year. You see where it makes a level of sense. And other sports have had this and had problems. Ronda Rousey explained this to me one time. She explained to me judo for the Olympic team from the United States. That judo prior to the year of 2000, uh, 2008, everything changed in 2008. Ronda was speaking to me and teaching me something I didn't know prior to 2008. But the way judo worked, it was not a final judo off. Like, you'll have that in boxing, you'll have a final box-off. Or in wrestling, the sports I fight, you'll have a final wrestle-off. Gymnastics, you have a final event, you pick everybody. The way judo would work is tournaments that are distinguished Class A. You have an entire year to go to all of these different tournaments. And all of the Class A designated tournaments will come with certain points based on whether you are gold, silver, or bronze. And at the end of the year, they'll total that up, and whoever has the most becomes the Olympian. The problem that it quickly found, on accident, because that makes a level of sense, right? Instead of just one day and everything comes down to it, and maybe you have a good day or a bad day, and now you get the wrong team, and now somebody that could have won a medal for the country is staying home, and somebody that's going to be uh, no medal and is just going to turn into a tourist, we have to pay and give a spot to, and we don't get to rectify this for four years... The problem that it inadvertently had is now whatever kid's dad has the most money and can fly his kid to a tournament in France and then get him over to Tokyo and then get him back to Sweet can buy an Olympic spot. His kid could be the seventh or eighth best kid, but he was able to buy the airline tickets and get to these tournaments and accumulate enough points. I'm pointing all of this out to you because it is relevant what numbers say. And when I look at DraftKings, who is truly willing for people to put their money where their opinion is, that matters more to me than being around a water cooler and getting a hands up of who's just heard of a athlete more. DraftKings, one week ago, had Marvin Vittori as a favorite. It was close. Negative 140 to a plus 160. It was close. Me as a better. If I see a one in either direction as the first number next to the plus or negative, that's pretty even money. That's a broad stroke that is absolutely mathematically not true, but that's how I look at it. That's pretty even money. If I don't have a two to one, I don't have a two and a half, I don't have a three and a half, we're all in this, we're having a meaningful conversation. Okay. Is Marvin still the favorite? Because now the scenario has changed which is the weight class. And if you're picking Paulo Costa, 
you are forced to ask yourself the same question that if you were put picking Nick Diaz against Lawler and then you get armed with the info that Nick can't make weight, the question becomes, why? Was it a lack of discipline? Was it a lack of training? We understand a scale. We understand without being nutritionalists, calories in to calories out, how you got those calories in and how you got those calories out, or in the case of Paulo Costa, that you did not. So now you start to wonder about training. You start to wonder about focus. You start to wonder about drive. You start to wonder about discipline. They may not be true. There may be option E and F and G, but we don't know what they are. Nobody's told us, and if we're parting with our money, we have to go based on the information that we have. What we have is a Paulo Costa who did not make weight. We have to wonder why, in conjunction with Apollo Costa, who's removed himself from the sport since he fought for a championship, and we know that Paulo was offered fights. Was it Paulo versus Robert Whitaker? It was supposed to be that huge deal that ended up, it was ABC, it ended up being uh, Max, ended up being Cater, but that was offered to Paulo Costa and even accepted at one point, and Paulo changed his mind. My intent here is not in a negative way to put a light on Paulo Costa. It's just to shine the light that's got a whole bunch of question marks around it. And I can tell you as a guy who's fought for championships, and one of the championships I fought for, the night that I fought for it, was the largest gate in MMA history and ended up breaking pay-per-view records. Those records have all no longer number one, but I share with you whatever I was to do next, in victory or defeat of that night, whatever I do next will not be as big as what I'm doing now. Walking into the weigh-in on my next fight, no matter what's at stake, will not be what it is now. This is history. This is a record. Very basic rule of life that we all know to be true. Whatever goes up must come down. It can run flat, it can go up again, but whatever goes up is going to come down. So when you're in that spot, what do you do? And we have seen so many fighters, I could name them top of my head. I won't because it could embarrass them. I could name them off the top of my head that truly were the second best fighter in the world. That's what number one contender is supposed to signify. If you are the number one contender that represents that you can beat everybody in the field and the only question left is the guy with the belt. And I know a number of guys who truly were the right number one contender. They were the second best on earth. They got that opportunity. The media that comes with it, the attention that comes with it, the money that comes with it, the prestige that comes with it did not get the belt. And mentally they collapsed. Some of them knew it. Some of them knew, I do not have the same motivation, I do not have the same drive, but I don't have the same incentive, so it makes sense, and I hope that that all comes back tomorrow. Some of them knew it. Some of them did come away with a real positivity. They really had a confidence. There's nothing in sport or life that will screw you more than confidence. And any jerk can go write a book and sell it on Amazon talking about positive thought and confidence. Nothing will steer you in the wrong direction and make you work less than needed than confidence. Nothing. 
And I've seen guys fight and be this close to being champion. They then did the mathematical deduction based on pure logic that he's the best guy in the world. I'm the next best thing. So whoever I compete with next, as long as it's not him, I'm guaranteed to beat. And that confidence bit them in the ass. Because even if that makes sense the way that I just articulated it, 2 plus 2 is not 4 in the world of sport. You have to wonder with Paulo Costa who's going through that. Marvin Vittori is going through the same thing, which is his last fight will not be as big as his current and or next fight. It's just a reality. How are you going to respond? It looks as though Vittori has responded perfectly, and it looks as though Paulo Costa has struggled. Does that make a difference in the outcome? DraftKings who is putting Marvin as the favorite, which I must tell you surprises me. That really did surprise me. You have two absolute studs here. I have nowhere I could go to insult either one of these guys or even really critique them. Their skills are on point. You lost to Adesanya. Adesanya is a whole nother deal. Adesanya has a length unique to himself within the division that you're never going to have to overcome again. He has a resume of 29-2 and two in the world of kickboxing that you're never going to deal with, you're never going to have to overcome again. He has ability to go out there and compete, and he has a rhythm. Izzy Adesanya has a rhythm. He has a finesse and a style that you are never going to have to deal with except with him, and you're never going to have to overcome again. So even if you came in second to him... So you assume there's things you could get better at. Unless you were blessed and born with the right DNA, you're not even going to be subject to filling in some of those gaps. Adesanya is a different deal. Okay. When Vittori became the favorite, and the only weakness we have ever seen in Paulo Costa's career was the night that he competed with Izzy. And I can't really tell you who the better fighter was between Paulo and Izzy because I didn't see him fight. And I don't mean I didn't see the match. I didn't blink during the match. I didn't see them fight. Paulo Costa didn't fight. So I don't, I don't actually know who the better fighter is. Izzy came out ready to perform, and Paulo Costa was a punching bag. It's one of those things where, in all fairness, if I'm to judge Paulo Costa, and I'm to break down what his weakness is and juxtapose this with his strengths are, and that's the only seven minutes of competition that I have, I'm going to be wildly misled. But the odds maker at DraftKings still favored Vittori against the Terminator. Paulo Costa, who has walked through fire, see the Romero fight, who could most definitely take a punch and give one, see the Uriah Hall fight. A damn near perfect athlete with a damn near perfect record, they believe is the underdog. I have a hard time believing that's because of strength, because of stamina, because of belt rank experience. I feel that that line swayed and favored Vittori based on the intangible, such as the mental approach, which is something we have to guess. None of us know. None of us know what Paulo is thinking inside right now, and none of us know what Vittori is thinking inside. If you observe them both and you come to the conclusion that Vittori is more willful to get in there and appears to want to do this more, I would agree with you. That doesn't make us right, and there's no way to actually prove it, and that's why they call it 
a bet. And now that we know that Paulo Costa cannot make the agreed-upon weight class, and we put all these negative reasons why, from discipline to hard work to desire, are we right? Or is he coming in with an advantage? Is he coming in with a meaningful advantage? He's gamed the entire system. He knew the show would go on. He knew the main event was going to be intact. He knew Vittori would go for it. And Vittori's now walked right into his trap, which is letting him show up a meaningful about better. I mean, right, cutting down to 185 pounds. Don't forget, cutting and dieting are very different things. Dieting is losing weight. Cutting is dehydrating and pulling out water weight, which you will put in as soon as you get off the scale. So if you pull, if you cut down to 205 pounds, you could have started at 225, very realistically. If you pull down to 185 pounds, you could have started about 200 pounds, very realistically. So now you're talking about if, and this, it's a game of if, having a conversation here. I don't know. I don't know, but that's why we call it a bet. That's why it's gambling. If Paulo Costa, in some perverse universe, knew that he could rope a dope into 205 pounds and he plans to get in there at two and a quarter over the course of a potential 25 minutes, that is a distinct advantage to Paulo Costa. It is. So which way do you want to fall? We all agree they're great fighters and we all agree that they have experience and we all agree they don't have a whole lot of weaknesses. We have to go to the intangibles. Who wants it more and who's got the desire and where the hell the attitude is? And then we come to the conclusion, we really don't know. We could only try to guess. I tend to fall on the side of advantage because of the weight. He's going to be fine. It's not a great look. That's against Paulo Costa. Advantage, Paulo Costa. Chael's official pick for Vittori and Paulo. I am taking Paulo Costa. All right, guys, that's it for today's episode. If you enjoyed it. Please head over to Apple Podcasts, find your welcome, and leave me a review. And for more from me, remember to subscribe to my YouTube channel. Check out the show on ESPN+. Enjoy the fights this weekend. I'll be back next Wednesday to talk to you all about it. Until then, I'm Chael Sonnen, and you are welcome.